Yes, America, land that I love, stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountain to the prairie to the ocean wide before. God bless America, my home, sweet home. God bless America, my home, sweet home. Welcome. You're listening to another edition of Paid, where we share the path God has guided us in our everyday lives. Your host, Jessica, invites you to discover how God is working in your present day. You just heard Don Graves, a World War II Iwo Jima survivor, sing God Bless America. And what better way to introduce the show on this amazing and blessed weekend for America? I would love to give him a warm welcome Um, as he joins us and shares his path that God has given us. How are you doing today, Mr. Graves? I'm doing good. I have always been doing good. Yes. (laughs) And not not bad for 97. No, not bad at all. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever expect to be coming on podcast and being a YouTube star and all that stuff at age 97? Yeah, Yeah, well, it, it happens. It happens. It happens. It happens my way. So on the podcast, we like to share stories of the path God has given us. And I'll just kind of open up the floor to you to share what you want to share today. It's, it's, it's just that uh, we, we, go, we go aboard ship from Hawaii. We wind up in Saipan. And then from Saipan, we leave the transport, go on LSTs that'll handle one company of men. And down below, there are five or six amphibious tractors. Now, the Japanese called them gators with, with them when we got out of Iwo Jima. One day out, they were going. Iwo Jima was never mentioned. They were about it. This between Admiral Nimitz, our boss. It was in the way of our bombing Tokyo. And they went over a B-29 crossover and radio to Japan, say they're on their way to get you then they would hurt us. They'd knock our bombers down. We had to move that island out of the way. And that's what the 3rd, 4th, and 5th Marine Division did. That's why we took Iwo Jima. The morning that we were just a mile or two off the island, we were fighting up in the air. Japanese, Takazis, and our planes. And they were going at it. And you know, here's the crazy thing. We actually watched this betting which one would not make it. It's crazy. But that's what we did. Then we went down the nets into the amphibious tractors. Out we went. And then we rallied around. And as we went by another transport, there was a dozen sailors up by the side of the ship with coffee in their hand. It's morning. It's 8 o'clock in the morning. And they'll say, give them heck, Marie. Give it to them. And I reached out. No. He said, I want my coffee. So we moved into the toward the beach. And then they were firing at us. Then they would use rockets, launch them on us. And when I was sitting there, we were hunkered down in the bottom. 
I, I, I heard a, a, a strange noise like woof, woof, like that. And I stuck my head up off the back. And here they were hitting some of our tractors with our boys in it. And that's what the noise was. Thank God they didn't hit us. We hit the beach off in the water. We couldn't get up on it. Too many men on the beach. Now, everybody has heard of John Bassalone. John Bassalone was the first Medal of Honor on Guadalcanal in the Second World War. He was a good Marine. He got killed right to my right. A sniper got him, killed him right there. He never got up. He was on a bond tour. And Chesty Puller, his commander, asked for him to come back to the Corps to San Diego. He went back and he said, what do you want? He said, I want to go back with my buddies. He said, we need you in these bond tours. He says, I want to go back with my buddies, Commander. All right, that's what you want. That's what you're going to do. Well, he got killed. Never got up. Then we proceeded to move up toward the top of the beach, and we were losing men like crazy. When I got to the top, made a left turn. 545 feet away was Mount Suribachi. That's where the flag went up. And as we approached that 545 feet and got to the base, we got there the third day, 545 feet. Wow. When we got to the base, they started throwing grenades down at us. They just bounced down at us. We couldn't throw them back. We couldn't throw ours up, up, up at them. They would come back at us. So we were heavily hit there also. We finally got it all secure at the base and we all proceeded to crawl up the mountain. And we got up there, but before we, this happened, my battalion commander, Chandler Johnson, he was our battalion commander. He said to Harold Schreier, Lieutenant, he said, Harold, take this flag. I got it off of, this, off of one of our ships. And he said, see if you can put it up on the mountain when you get up there. He said, see if you can find something. Sorry to interrupt real quick. Okay. Accident. My arm is bleeding. <laughs> but I got plenty of blood. <laughs> well, to continue, <clears throat> Harold said, yes, sir. He took the flag and they got some boys together. He got up to the left on around the left. They did get to the top. We're trying to go up this way. They rigged up the flag. And we questioned, what did they use for a pole, a mast? We didn't know anything about putting a flag up there. That was our battalion commander's idea. They found drain pipe up on top. And they put the brain type, uh, the drain pipe together and rigged the flag on it. That When people look at that flag today, that's the second one now, but the same mast, that's drain pipe. Wow. That's not a flagpole. And it worked. And that's the flag story. Well, then we got down about a day later, went towards the north, and we got hammered. We lost our battalion at Hill 362A, terrible battle. And just a few of us gathered together, each of us. We moved towards the north and fought that way. We lost 7,000 young Marines on Iwo Jima in six weeks. We lost 20,000 shot up and wounded and taken off. Many were buried at sea. It was a sad thing. 
at the end of the sixth week, I'm skipping over a lot of things that happened, but at the end of the sixth week, we were told we'd be released by the third division. They came one by one, we got released. We assembled down by our cemetery at the foot of Mount Suribachi. 18 of us in my company went down out of 300. No officers. We got to the base of the cemetery and we looked and there was a flag tacked on the left pole of the arch, the gate. One by one, we were told by the regiment commander to form a line and go in and say goodbye to our buddies and our officers. One by one, we walked in the cemetery through the gate and each Marine read that sign. This is in two books that I found. And this is what it said. I read it. Fellas, when you go home, tell the folks we did our best that they may have many more tomorrows. You are those one of those many more tomorrows. Everybody in America today, there are the many more tomorrows. Because of Marines that quit school, signed up in the Marine Corps, went to Europe, all over the Pacific, and fought that war. Was it worth it? At first, we thought it was a disaster. Our parents went to Washington. They, 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 got, they railed on Washington. Why did you kill 7,000 of our sons? Why did you take that lousy item? Well, we found out. By the taking of Iwo Jima, we could bomb it 24 hours a day. And it ended the war a lot quicker if we hadn't have taken it. And we'd have lost a lot more pilots and more planes. So was Iwo Jima worth it? Yes, we were glad to do it. That's a, that's a little something about Iwo Jima. So worst, the worst, I have to tell you this, this is the worst battle that the Marine Corps ever fought. It is considered the meanest battle in the oracles of warfare. And I found one battle that compares to it. And what's that? Gettysburg. Gettysburg, okay. Gettysburg, terrible, bloody battle. They compare those two. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Gettysburg, they were shot off their horse, thousands killed, both sides. And, and Lincoln heard the battle. He was standing out of his office window and it's quoted of him saying, I hear the sound of war. Isn't that something? It is. Yeah, but that's a little something about Iwo Jima. Well, I was, I was curious more. So I've heard, heard parts of your story. And when you landed on the island, you were there and you said something specific to God. Will you share that? I said something, oh, to God. Oh, yes, I skipped over that. <laughs> If I were in a meeting, I'd cover it all. Well, I lay on the beach. We didn't know what to do. Just let, We couldn't go anywhere. We were stuck. No place to go. And they were throwing everything at us. Now, I never went to church in my life. Oh, I mean, I went with a buddy on a holiday. But 
we never went to church. And the reason was we were depression kids. The Great Depression was on. We didn't have decent clothes. We just didn't have it. So we wouldn't go to church. We would go to a lot of places. We were ashamed to go in. It was terrible in school what we wore. But that's what we had. I didn't go to church. My mother was raised a Roman Catholic, left the Catholic church, had five, four children. She said, you go wherever you want. Well, I had a buddy. I tried to go to his church. I was ashamed. I, I just, people looked at me. But that's, that's what us kids did. We, we just didn't do much church at all. And I cried. I put my face in the sand and I was scared. And I said, God, if you can do for me what I hear people say you can do, and you get me off this island, I will serve you the rest of my life. He got me off. He didn't get me, though, until nine years after the war, May 15th, 1954, at a Billy Graham meeting. I was talked into going to it. I had gone on a fishing trip that day. We didn't catch any fish, but we caught a lot of bottle bass. So I went to Billy Graham against my wishes. My wife said, there are uh, an elderly couple called and we love those people. That was a rascal. He said, Don, would you take us? I don't drive anymore to the meeting over at Oshkosh. It's up along Lake Winnebago in Wisconsin. I said, well, he said, we would like to go if you'd take us. Well, I respected them. I, I thought for a moment and something happened. I'll change clothes and be right over. We picked him up, walked into the auditorium. Now, I was a public singer there in that area, and there was a lot of people there that knew me. And they said, look it. I could just, I could feel it. There's grapes. Let's pray for him. Let's pray for him. I just went and sat in the front seat. Billy came on. And he hammered away on those days. And this is what he said. You are not your own. You're bought with a price. And that price was Jesus Christ of Calvary. He shed his blood for your sins. Your sins are nailed to the tree. Forget the sins. Give your life to Christ. Live and honor God. You need him. You need him now tonight. I thought he was talking to me. The film went on. I fell right out of the seat on the floor. And I just cried. And I poured my heart out to God. And I know he heard me. I got up, the film was over, Billy's thought was gone. And an old preacher got up to the meeting and said, we're gonna hold this, a song of invitation. When you hear the song and you feel the need of Christ, come forward. We'd like to pray for you, talk to you about the Lord, give you a Bible, send you home. You come. I said, if they sing that song, I'll go. They sang it. I got up on my feet. And as I was going to turn to look at my wife, just as clear as you can hear my voice right now, I heard a voice. Sit down, you fool. What about your wife? We weren't getting along. I didn't know how she felt. I turned to my wife. 
she reached over and grabbed my hand. She said, let's both go up. We both walked up, received Christ, gave us a Bible, had prayer for us. We went home. When we got to our apartment, we left the old folks off, went to our apartment, and we walked in. We sat in an old brown leather chair. It was a wedding gift. Never sat together in that chair. And as we sat together, I said, there's got to be a Bible here someplace. And I looked down. There was an old Bible. I picked it up. And I said, I don't know anything about it, but I'm going to flip it open, and I'll put my finger on a verse. I flipped it open, and I went like that. And I looked down, and I said, I'll read it. The Lord is good, a stronghold of the day of trouble. And he knoweth them that trust in him. Nahum 1, 7. I will never forget that scripture. God put me in the ministry for 32 years. I organized, pastored, and taught the word of God to five churches. I had a wonderful ministry. I had some rough times. And my family suffered from it, but it was worth it. None of them ever remember that. It was worth it. And that's what I, that's, that's how I live. Whatever I do, I always talk to God about it. I had a hard time during the war. I really had a hard time. A young man took my place and was killed where I had been 15 minutes before. I blame God for that. But then I understood after what happened. War kills. And war is no respecter of persons. That's it. That's my story. <laughs> Do you mind if I ask you some questions? Sure. Why well, I mean, sure, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, you said there was a nine-year gap where you were just at home with your wife. Why do you think he let that time span go before he reached out and captured you, I guess? I don't know. Uh, time means nothing to God. It always means something to us. God has no time clock. I, I don't know. Things had to be just arranged the right way. It was the right time. I mean, I we were ready for divorce. I mean, I was losing out everywhere. And I knew a lot of people from my entertaining. I was not a Christian then. All those nine years, God led me and I wasn't aware of it. And then it was time. And he dealt with me. And he beat me up like a father that loves his son. So was there in the Billy Graham show, was there like one specific part that it just, it made you fall to your knees or was it the whole show? It was the whole movie. There were more things in there that I said, but I mean, he talked, he talked about, he talked about, how people go through the through the through their lives and things happen and they can't understand why they happen. I should have been killed. I should have been killed during the war. I had two Japanese soldiers run out and try and grab me with my flamethrower. And a kid that was with me, he was my rifleman. I can't, if I'm alone, I'm done. He killed both of them before they got to me. I turned and fell down on the ground. And if you fall on the ground, you need help because that thing weighs 72 pounds on my back. He came and helped me up and drug me, 
move me out of out of harm's way. I mean, the, the God moved along. All accidents. Nothing happened to me. I couldn't understand that. And I didn't deserve it. Was there one point during the war where you felt like God was watching over you or an angel you was know, with you? I didn't. Uh, I, I, I didn't. And I'll be, be honest with you. After I said that prayer, do you know that all through the battle, I never thought of him? But remember something. I made a promise to God. And God hears. And God does not forget. We do. That's it. That's it. I couldn't have been any other place. I'm so thankful we didn't catch walleye pike. <laughs> I could have caught fish, we'd have still been there. <laughs> yeah. The other part of our show is we take the Bible verse that inspired and supported your book, uh, story, which you've already shared. Um, can you share why that was so important to you? Why, why did it support you through your story? You know, I, I, will, I will confess something. If, if, you, if anyone was to ask me, and, and it happened, you believe in God? I said, sure. There has to be a God. See, my generation, they knew that God existed. They knew that God did certain. We, all, we, we even heard that in schools. Would you believe that? We heard this in schools. We had prayer in schools. Prayed for our president. That's what we did in schools. So I did have that amount of knowledge, but I didn't want to change my life at all. Well, when I got out of the Marine Corps and lived like a civilian again, I tried to carry on living the same way I did when I was the Marine Corps and it doesn't work. Especially if you have a wife. <laughs> 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 yes i i heard um i was listening to some of your youtube clips and how you went to try to re-up once you came back you looked at your wife and you said i want to join the marines again and you guys went down to the office uh, 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 office what you guys went down to the recruiter's office to re-up after you got oh back. yeah oh yes we were laying in bed one time. Uh, uh, oh, it was a terrible evening in Detroit, right downtown, the upper apartment over a, over a florist shop. Hot. It was 90-some degrees. And, you know, we didn't have air conditioning then. We had fans. And, hi, buddy. <laughs> so This is my youngest. Is that your youngest? Hey. Yes. How you doing? Can you wave at me? He is shy, oh, but right. I actually have a daughter that wanted to come in and ask you a question. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, now where were we? We were talking about you re-upping for the Marines yes. with your wife. I said, to my, I said to my wife, I said, you know, I, I miss California. How about us going back in the Marine Corps? Would you like that? She said, I wouldn't mind. I said, good. Following morning, got up. 
So everything we had, we got a check for $200. Would you believe it? 200 That was a lot of money back then. A lot of money. We took off on a drive-away car, delivered it out to L.A. Went, then we got on the streetcar one morning, drove down L.A., went up into the Marine Recruiting Office, and a gunny sergeant met me. And he said, what can I do for you, buddy? I said, here's my paperwork. I want to be up. He says, good. Let me take a look at it. Okay. When can you leave? And I said, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow. He said, good. But you're not married. I said, yeah, I got married six months ago. He said, I can't do it. I can't take you. They stopped allotment checks for wives. The only thing you'd live on would be $72 a month until you got another rank. He said, ah, that'd be kind of rough. And I said, yeah, it would. Say, he wait, wait a minute. Would she consider a brief separation? I said, I don't know. I'll go find out. <laughs> I, walked <laughs> I walked up to her. She stands up and says, what did he say? He's in the office doorway looking at me. And I said, I said he wants to know if you go for a brief divorce. let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I turned around, the gunny goes like this. <laughs> that was the end of my career in the Marine Corps. <laughs> yeah, but God had a better purpose for you. Huh? God had a better purpose for oh, you. Oh, definitely. Put the, he, he put the squash on that right away. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you could give us youngins some advice, what would it be? I get into schools, and I, do, I give them this advice. Number one, make sure of your relationship with God Almighty and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure of that because you're going to stand alone in a wicked world and it doesn't care about you. It will only use you. That's number one. And give your life to Christ. Enjoy life. Be, be peaceful and be kind. And love it to everyone. If they reject you, that's fine. Paddle your canoe upstream. That's it. My phone is ringing. I should have turned it off. <laughs> You're good. Well, thank you, Mr. Don Graves, for coming on our show and sharing. Um, do you mind if I bring my daughter in to ask you a question? Bring her okay. in. How old is she? She is eight, and oh, oh, last oh. night she read a book on pigeon carriers in World War II, wow. and, and so and it was really short, and I said, well, yeah. you know, I'm meeting with Mr. Graves tomorrow, and he fought in World War II, and her mouth just dropped open, and she was like, can I ask him a question? <laughs> Bring it out. Okay, let me go get her. Say hi. Hi. All, girl, all little girls go like this. And boys go like this. <laughs> you have a question for me? What is the question? To, you're going to have to speak loud. Was there a really, uh, really a pigeon who um, actually delivered the note? Okay. No, honey. Pigeons were not mailed to me. Pigeons were mailed to the company commanders in that. We were on the front line fighting. 
Yeah. Only the off the, the top officers in their communication. That's why they use the uh, the turtles or well, turtles, pigeons or doves, doves. Yeah, just about the same thing. Now let me ask you a question, little girl. Why are you so pretty? Huh? Not now. Say thank you. Huh? Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Well, who did you get the prettiness from? Look around you. Who is it? <laughs> okay, sweetheart. Can you throw me a kiss? Are you going to give me a kiss? Yeah, thank you. Ooh, ooh, boy, I felt that. Gee. <laughs> thank you for your service. Really, really well. Thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. <laughs> You can go. Yes. She's not going to give that seat up. <laughs> no, she she likes this. <laughs> what's what's your other question? I know how to play America the Beautiful on the piano. What did she, what did she say? She just learned how to play America the Beautiful on oh, the piano. Yeah. You do. Is that the one? America, America, God shed his grace on thee. Yes. Huh? Yes. <laughs> I have it. You know, we used to sing that all the time in, in our country. We don't even sing it anymore. Churches don't even sing it. It was in the hymnals. We, our church has actually started singing it. Really? At the end of mass, yeah. Wow, that's great. So that's great. Yeah. Well, it's nice talking to you, sweetheart. Bye. You don't mind bye. if I call you sweet. You don't mind if I call you sweetheart, do you? Huh? Answer. Say yes or no. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. All right. Thank you. Bye bye.